Good morning. Whether you're joining us on the live stream over public television or here in person, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Values and Mission here at the church. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite those online to greet each other in the comments and those here with us in person to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tom Schindel, and I use uh, he, him pronouns. And um, we're going to go ahead and uh, light our chalice. And if you would join with me in saying uh, the words we use to light the chalice, I would be most grateful. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. And now for our call to worship. Uh, This is written by Parker Palmer, and it's from his book, Hidden Wholeness. Uh, Parker Palmer, a Quaker who is the founder of the Center for Courage and Renewal and who holds 13 honorary doctorates, helps us understand that we create circles of trust to entice the shy soul to come forward. He writes, Philosophers haggle about what to call this core of our humanity, but I am no stickler for precision. Thomas Merton called it true self. Buddhists call it original nature or big self. Quakers call it the inner teacher or the inner light. Hasidic Jews call it a spark of the divine. Humanists call it identity and integrity. And popular parlance, people often call it soul. Palmer continues, This is the first, wildest, and wisest thing I know, says Mary Oliver, that the soul exists and that it is built entirely out of attentiveness. But we live in a culture that discourages us from paying attention to the soul or true self. And when we fail to pay attention, we end up living soulless lives. This congregation has a mission. It arose out of our religious values. Transcendence, compassion, community, courage, transformation. It's our common religious purpose. We put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our reading is also by Parker Palmer, and again, it's from his book, Hidden Wholeness. No fixing... No saving, no advising, no setting each other straight. The rule is simple, but abiding by it is hard work for people accustomed to straightening each other out as a way of life. 
Once, when I introduced the rule at the start of a long-term circle, someone pointed out, then what in heaven's name are we going to do with each other for the next two years? You've just excluded the only things we know how to do. And that, as they say, is no joke, especially for those of us in the so-called helping professions who sometimes act as if our entire reason for being is to set other people straight. So what do we do in a circle of trust? We speak our own truth. We listen receptively to the truth of others. We ask each other honest, open questions instead of giving counsel. And we offer each other the healing and empowering gifts of silence and laughter. This way of being is so countercultural that it requires clear explanation, steady practice, and gentle but firm enforcement. But once we have experienced it, we want to take this way of being into other relationships, from friendship and family to the workplace and civic life. If we are to embrace the spirit as if we are to embrace the spirit as well as the letter of the law that governs the circle of trust, we need to understand why the habit of fixing, saving, advising, and setting each other straight has such a powerful grip on our lives. I'm so These small group ministries vary in their format depending on which small group ministry it is. We'll be giving you more information about all the different types as we go along. What they share in common, though, is that groups of about 10 church participants gather together in ways that are structured to encourage deep sharing, deep listening, to open up a sense of vulnerability where people can share with one another in ways that build deeper relationships and to move us toward embracing the spiritual and engaging in individual spiritual practices as well as communal spiritual practices. Now, I believe that facilitating a small group ministry, as these two have done, can be such a blessing because the role of the facilitator is to open up a space and hold that space where people can be comfortable sharing vulnerability with one another. And in order to do that, the facilitator must model being vulnerable over and over again. And I believe that being willing to be vulnerable with one another is one of our greatest paths towards spiritual development. So saith Dr. Brene Brown. I'm going to tell you about when I was fortunate enough to lead a small group ministry called a chalice circle here at the church. I did a chalice circle for the facilitators of the chalice circles for everyone else. It was during the time when the church was closed for the pandemic and we would get together on Zoom. Well, 
I remember distinctly one of those chalices circles. It was while the church was closed, so we gathered on Zoom right after our senior minister at the time, Meg Barnhouse, had let us all know that she would have to retire at the end of the year because of serious health issues. For those of you that have joined us since Meg retired, Meg is a wonderful minister and just a beautiful person. And she and I had grown so close over years of doing ministry together. So I was hurting for Meg, for the folks here in the church that had just received that news. And I came on to that Zoom And we started doing our check-in, as we always did, and several of the folks said, you know, I didn't really prepare for this. I didn't do the reading. I wasn't even going to come, but I wanted to be here for Reverend Chris. I can't tell you what a kindness that was. They tell us as ministers we're not supposed to make congregants feel that they have to take care of us. But I'll tell you, at that point, I was so blessed at that spontaneous outpouring of care and support. In fact, I remember thinking, damn, I just committed to a lot of money setting up with a therapist, and this was a lot more helpful than that. (laughs) That was a joke. My therapist is wonderful. But a therapist can't provide the kind of support that that was. And so I think that's the power that can emerge out of these small group ministries. And I hope as you listen to AJ and to Eric that you'll consider participating and maybe even facilitating. Now, one of the things I mentioned is that the small group ministries encourage us to engage in communal spiritual practices, and that's something we do every Sunday here in worship when we center ourselves together. I want to invite you now to join together in a time of centering as together we engage in a meditation on loving kindness. I invite you to comfort yourself, to settle into your seats, to feel this earth supporting you. Close your eyes if you wish, and simply breathe in and out, in and out. And centered in your breathing, I invite you to bring into your imagination an image of yourself. And holding that image of yourself to send yourself this wish. May I be well. 
May I experience loving kindness. May I know care and comfort. Continuing your breathing. Now bring to mind someone whom you love deeply. Holding that person in your thoughts and heart, send them this wish. May you be well. May you experience loving kindness. May you know care and comfort. Now I invite you to bring to mind someone with whom you have difficulty, with whom you may be estranged, and holding this person with the whole of your being to send them this wish. May you be well. May you experience loving kindness. May you know care and comfort. I invite you to take a few more deep breaths. My name is Eric Hepburn. I'm a community lay minister here at First UU, and my pronouns are he, him. What is it that church is for? Is it a social club, a general purpose social justice nonprofit? Is it a Sunday morning entertainment, a show, a musical performance? Why? When so many of us have experienced trauma and disconnect and worse at the hands of institutions called churches, do we keep showing up? Why are we at it once again? What are we searching for? What are we hungry for? Why do we keep coming back when it can be so hard when there are times that it is yet another place where we must confront our own demons and many of the same difficulties with community that we struggle with at work or with family, with friends, with neighbors. It's not a trivial question, especially not at a time like this when so many are unchurched and even more self-identify as spiritual but not religious. I'm going to make a few propositions. Let's see how they land for you. You say you want community. And while this is both true and important, it isn't 
why you're here. You say you want your kids to get exposed to world religions in an unbiased and inclusive way. Also important, also true, and still not quite the heart of why you're here, although perhaps a bit closer. The uncomfortable truth is that you've got a nagging suspicion that just won't go away, that there must be more to life than this. More than all the banal money and power play that passes for important out there in the culture. It is the unshakable suspicion that there is something larger and that you are important to it. That it needs you too, as desperately as you need it. That's the string that keeps pulling on your heart and your head until you're back in a pew or on a meditation retreat or doing rosaries or whatever it is, whatever practices you've discovered that alleviate that pull, that help you feel, however transiently, back in touch with yourself and with that something larger that keeps finding subtle ways to let you know you're not uh, as alone as your own mind would have you believe. As I was facilitating Wellspring last year, I had a profound realization. The wisdom from my still small voice is for me. It's my own personal oracle tailored to my journey and my calling. And while it may echo general themes of wisdom, wisdom itself is a soul thing, a spirit thing. It isn't of the head, of the intellect, and it isn't of the emotions, of the gut. It is of the awareness. The awareness that has the capacity to transcend. I can't be wise for someone else. I have to help them to become wise within themselves. And now we come to the answer to the big question we started with. Why do we come to church? Because we are called to connect with the source of our own wisdom that is within us. And we need help for that. And we need a beloved community for that. That's what small group ministry does. It creates and holds space for people to connect with their own inner wisdom. Now, in this process, we practice ways of doing this, ways of holding space and inviting our shy souls to share their wisdom with us. And these practices are a way of nourishing souls. And they are a way of transforming lives. And they are, this is important, a precondition to showing up in your own life in ways that deeply do justice. Y'all are familiar with like the concept of knowing something up here but not like knowing it in here, right? Small group work and the practices of connecting to your own wisdom, these practices develop the ability to hold space. When we learn to hold space internally so that our own voice of wisdom can be heard and we learn to hold space 
in and for the group, helping others to access their own wisdom. It is a beautiful thing, a beautiful manifestation of community. It is a way that our knowing can deepen. So I want to invite you to participate in a small group this coming year, a chalice circle, a wellspring group, or the Die Wise group that I'm hosting this fall. Kelly and the adult RE team are going to be distributing more information, and there will be sign-ups in August and all that good stuff. And if you're thinking, well, after all that, I might just sign up. I want to push you one step further. I would like you to consider facilitating one of these groups. You've heard the idea that there's no learning like teaching. Well, it's true here also. If you want to learn how to hold space in seven years, sign up for a chalice circle. If you want to learn it in two, sign up to facilitate. To follow in Reverend Chris's footsteps, we're going to use what is a normal part of our service slightly more mindfully this morning. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to light candles. But I'm going to use a trick that I've learned in small group. Some of you are carrying something on your heart or in your head today that's making it hard for you to sit there and be with us. And so I want you to carry that thing over there to that wall. And I want you to burn it up in that flame with your full attention. And if that's not your jam this morning, you may simply light a candle of memory and hope. As you do so, focus your awareness on the act in the flame. Hold space for the flame to reflect back to you why you came here this morning. And as we light candles as a community, we also hold space and compassion for Karen Neely, family and loved ones of Jack DeLoach, whose memorial service we will hold at the church this coming Sunday, I mean Saturday, July 29th at 2 p.m. We also request that when the music comes to a close, you maintain the meditative silence, yet another manifestation of health space.
Hi, my name is AJ Jaraska. My pronouns are they, them. And um, coincidentally, this morning in my meditation, there was a quote from Rainer Maria Rilke, um, an Austrian poet, who said, I am too alone in the world and yet not alone enough to make every moment holy. Wellspring is a small group space to not be alone, yet to be alone enough to find your own spiritual practices and voice. It's a 10-month series. It meets two times a month with readings in between, so it's a little more intensive than chalice circles. And you are encouraged to explore a daily spiritual practice. At the beginning, my daily spiritual practice was reflecting on why I didn't want to have a daily spiritual practice. (laughs) No joke. Um, You're also encouraged to get a spiritual companion. And the first in uh, the Wellspring series um, is called Sources, and it goes through the UU sources from your own direct experience to global religions to nature-based traditions and more. And it's as much a space for self-reflection and growth as it is exploring and going deeper into the readings on the sources. I joined Wellspring at a really tough time in my life. We had uh, tried to have kids for many years and then fostered and had hoped to adopt, and that didn't pan out. And it's a pretty small club uh, for people who have gone through child loss. Uh, And I will tell you, it's not a fun one to be in. And it's pretty lonely, and there's amazing emotional support out there, but the questions are bigger than what a therapist can answer, Um, though I'm so grateful to my therapist. Um, And our dog, we had to put our dog down two weeks after the kids left, so I was left with lots of questions like, um, why do animals die at inopportune times? Um, Why do horrible things happen in the world such that we need a child protective services system? Why is that system so inadequate um, and perpetuating the things it's trying to end? Um, And there are some intellectual answers to those things, but really I was looking for the spiritual answers. So I was really grateful to hear about Wellspring Sources and to go with it, uh, go through it. Um, and it, it really was transformational in my grief process. As Eric shared, in order to run Wellspring Sources, we need facilitators. So I did step up to facilitate another round of Wellspring Sources, and I got new things out of it that I hadn't gotten out the first time. So I will say that facilitating is a wonderful experience. Um, I'm moving on to do... Uh, Wellspring deep questions, so I will not be facilitating Wellspring sources, and that's where you all come in. Um, You don't have to have taken it to facilitate, just like you don't have to have gone through a chalice circle to facilitate chalice circles. There is training and support, and if anyone does facilitate Wellspring sources, I'm happy um, to be a resource for you and would love to talk more. Um, You're essentially a group member um, with a little extra encouragement to finish your own reading, which is another reason why I wanted to do it again, because I may have not done all the reading the first time. Sorry, Kathleen Um, and Susan, who are wonderful facilitators. Um, You get a curriculum, and you essentially follow the curriculum. Um, It's pretty straightforward. And then um, the only other thing you really do is send an email um, 
after each session. So it really is not a, a lot of additional work um, beyond the, the series itself. I would say, um, I just echo what um, Reverend Chris said, that the number one feature in a good facilitator is being willing to be vulnerable and practice not fixing or saving, which is something we all need to practice in our lives. Um, and just to say, I know sometimes people need to be asked. So consider this me asking each and every one of you to facilitate. And um, if you know someone who needs to be asked a little bit more directly, um, I encourage you to go up to them and say, you know, you would be a really great Wellspring facilitator. You would be a really great chalice facilitator. So we're going to do our next spiritual practice together as a group, which is um, in a minute we will have our hymn. And um, Wellspring encourages, as I mentioned, finding a spiritual practice. Um, singing is such a powerful spiritual practice. As anyone who has ever sang in the shower in their car knows, because those acoustics are so much better than a lot of other places. Um, and there's more power when we come together and sing. Um, or when we hear others sing. The vibrations from singing settle the vagus nerve in our body, so it actually settles us and helps settle other bodies. Um, it's one reason why we sing when we go to the Capitol um, with uh, Texas UU Justice Ministries. And now if you would please join me in saying the words as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. You got to do when the Spirit says do. You got to do. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.